God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Did you ever go to a church that said that? I remember the whole congregation would join in in that call and response. The pastor would say, God is good. And the congregation would say, all the time. And then the pastor would say, all the time. And we'd say, God is good. Do you believe that? I know we said it just kind of because it's what you're supposed to say, but do you believe that God is good all the time? It sounds like such a simple question, but doesn't the answer feel a little complicated sometimes? Yeah, God's good when I like my life, when things are going my way, when I don't have to see how impatient I am, when I don't get crossed by someone, when people don't pull out in front of me in traffic and drive me crazy, when my kids are obedient, when my marriage is going the way I want. God is good all the time. good all the time and that all the time God is good. I'm sure you're no different than me but as I get older I realize two things that I used to be pretty dumb and I'm realizing I still am. Can you relate to that? So when I was in my 20s I thought I knew quite a bit. When I reached my 30s I thought I'm okay I guess. Reach my 40s I'm thinking huh there's a lot of stuff I don't know. Why did I think I used to know so much? Oh, it's because I was kind of dumb. <laughs> just prideful, just thinking I knew so much, right? I guess I had some pieces of wisdom in me, having the Holy Spirit present, but I still had a lot of flesh coming out, and I still do. They say that as you mature, you realize how little you know. So maybe this is a good sign, right? I really did think in my 20s that I had it all figured out. I had a plan for my life. I knew what I was going to choose next. And of course, that choice would open up to me, right? Because I chose it and it was a great plan. It was like those choose your own adventure books, except I wrote it. You know, I had, I could choose this way or that way, but either way is going to be great. I could choose this way or that way, but I forgot. Wait a minute. There's bad choices in that book. Some of those choices lead to your death. But it's okay, right? You can just start over. But that's not how life works. You can't just start over after a bad choice. You have to keep moving. It's like that Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken, where he says, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubt it if I should ever come back. He realizes that these two roads are diverging and he's got to pick one. And he's not sure which one to choose. You know, one seems to have a better claim. One seems to be more well-worn. But there's this other one that holds this mystery of, well, maybe I should choose the road not taken. And I think we all feel that at some point, that maybe there was a choice back in the day that would have been the road less traveled. And there's a grass is greener on the other side kind of viewpoint of that choice. But we can't go back. And if we really believe in the sovereignty of God, then who wants to go back, right? I mean, we are on the path that we are supposed to be on in this moment. All that's saying is that it's easy to 
fool yourself into thinking that you missed something or that maybe your plans in the past were pretty fantastic and they didn't work out because of someone else, not because of me, right? It was somebody else's fault. Somebody else's fault that I didn't get what I wanted, that life didn't go the way I decided. You know, when I read those Choose Your Own Adventure books, I actually read ahead and just looked at the page numbers and like read ahead to figure out, okay, this leads to death. This leads to like taking over, you know, the battle and winning, or this one leads to, you know, surrender or whatever. Uh, I just wanted to make the best choice. Kind of a cheating kind of thing to do, right? But that's what I did. I, I looked ahead. But God doesn't allow us to look ahead, does he? He just asked for our simple obedience in the moment. Even though I wanted to fabricate my life into being exactly what I envisioned, it, life continued to surprise me and take me in new directions that I did not really plan. I thought I was planning them in the moment, but they kept going haywire. They kept going sideways. And I'm like, this is not how I planned it, right? I mean, I took the first step, but wait a minute. It didn't turn out the way I envisioned. I didn't anticipate all these turns and twists that were stuck in there. And it happened a lot. You know, I started to get really paranoid. Like, am I the worst decision maker on the planet? I felt disappointed a lot. And I thought, well, maybe that's just because I'm an optimist. You know, optimists, they they think the best of what's coming. And so, you know, naturally we get disappointed more because life isn't as perfect or as ideal or romantic as we imagine. It's those pessimists that are always in a good mood, right? Because they imagine the worst and then they keep getting surprised that it's not as bad as they thought. But what I thought deeper down was that if I could just get what I planned, I'd be fulfilled. Over time, you know, I did discover that a fulfilled life happens because of our closeness to God, not because of all these puzzle pieces moving just the way I decide, or even choosing the end of my story. Even if I'd been able to do that, it would not have turned out as well. Our level of satisfaction in our family, I think, is just directly related to how deeply we're rooted in God. My satisfaction is just not going to come from getting my way. I think the thing that I landed on eventually in my 40s was that a fulfilled life has very little to do with my circumstance and everything to do with my attitude. That's not the most fun realization because then when things aren't going my way and there's a problem, guess where that problem is? I'm pointing at myself. It's in me. It's not everyone else is doing this to me or things didn't work out because of so-and-so. It's me. It's my reaction. It's my attitude. All this talk about plans not going my way, you think, man, she must be filled with regret. But I honestly can say I don't have any regrets. I think every struggle I've been through is a learning opportunity and has given me a huge chance to grow. Of course, this is in retrospect. You know, when I was in that growth time, being pruned is not the best feeling. And so no, if you would have asked me in the middle of those moments, are you enjoying yourself? No, probably not. But that doesn't mean that they weren't valuable. When we're uncomfortable, it's probably the most massive opportunity. We have lots of opportunities to show what's on the inside. But I really don't have regrets. And I think the reason that I don't have regrets is because I am convinced of God's character that he is good. And Romans 8.28 is true. 
And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. His purpose. You, you, did you catch that? Not my purpose. His purpose. God's purpose. And it does say all things. God works. I also love how it says, and we know. So I go back and I think, well, what did it say right before that? Right before it, it's talking about how the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So like I was saying, I don't know the plans that God has for me and for my family. But you can bet the Holy Spirit knows. And the Holy Spirit is interceding for me in accordance with the will of God. Well, hopefully my prayers are in accordance with the will of God. But if they're not, then the Holy Spirit's prayers certainly are. And then verse 29 for those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Sounds like he's got it all put together, don't you think? Sounds like he's got a good plan. He's got a plan, he's got predestined, he's also called. He's also justified, and then he's glorified, and he's outside of time, so he sees the whole process. He has worked out the perfect way for me and my family to be conformed to the image of his son, and all the things that I have, my ideas, my hopes, my dreams, he knows about all that, and I can pray those things, and he loves to hear my prayers. At the same time, the Holy Spirit is interceding for me in accordance with God's will, and I'm going to trust that. And the conclusion is really fun. So in verse 31, what then shall we say in response to these things? Yeah, what do we say? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Are you against yourself? Are you in self-pity or regret or, you know, comparing yourself to someone else? What's the point of that? God is for us. Who can be against us? So don't be against yourself and don't worry about anyone who comes against you. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It's God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So, there you go. You've got the Holy Spirit and Jesus interceding for you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, that includes us, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as my older sons will tease me, I sometimes, when I feel like amazing and passionate about something, I'll say, bam, and that's it right there. Bam! Jesus just said in his word, God just laid out for us the whole plan of how he knows us best. He has got the intercession going on in accordance with his will for us. We don't need to be worried about who's against us. 
we can trust him. He's the one who justifies. He's got it covered. What else is there? Well, I don't know about you, but I plan to go to Morocco someday. And that hasn't happened. God had a beautiful plan for me whenever he decided to give me a husband and children. Maybe your plans were to stay in the same house and grow old together with your family, but maybe you've had to move around a ton. Maybe your plans were to have a certain kind of career and God has asked you or shown you that homeschooling your children is a good idea right now. And it might mean sacrificing something like pay or like a certain kind of standard of living. Maybe time feels tight, but you don't want to let go of certain activities, but maybe God's leading you to reevaluate some things. I don't know what his plan is for you. But I do know that if we really trust him, if we really believe he's good, then regret isn't a part of that picture because we trust that he is the one working things out for our good. I think a good question to ask yourself as you're thinking through whether you really believe God is good all the time, that all the time God is good, is what do success and failure mean to you? Are there any areas you feel regret over and why? I think as upstreamers, as upstreamer moms especially, we have to give up on the word normal. We, we need to let that word go and not look back. Because the truth is, is we weren't meant to be normal in the world sense anyway. And so as we make our plans, I think that might be a good thing to consider are we trying to be normal? Are we trying to fit into the world's mold? I think it's time to look at ourselves from God's perspective and not the world's perspective. You know, we are all unique. But there are some things that God's word specifically lines out that should shape us and make us look different. We should be separate in how we behave. We should be separate in how we talk, how we spend our time, what we value what kind of plans are attractive to us, even? You know, normal is a concept which pigeonholes people into looking, thinking, talking, and behaving all alike. But God did create us all to live in a world with unique spiritual gifts, but we're to work together as one body. So as we make our plans, we also need to consider others around us. You know, it's not just about me and my plans anymore, me and my love of travel or love of other cultures. It's about me and my family, me and the body of Christ. To act like the body of Christ, you know, there's got to be some serving together in unity, not just trying to all look like each other. Although we do not want to look what the world would deem normal. So it's that special tension between being a unique, created individual, valuable to God, within the body of Christ, and then having unity within the body, but then also being vastly different, diametrically opposed, even a little weird. Because I'll tell you what, if I was a non-believer looking at a believer family, I think they were a little weird. Why do you care to go and sing songs to a God you can't see? Why do you think God's good when you just had a miscarriage? Why do you believe in God's faithfulness when your husband has no job? 
Why are you happy and joyful and able to thank the Lord at Thanksgiving when your dad just died? Our lives reflect an inner contentment that no matter what plans are happening around us, we're trusting God in the midst of those plans. I think that when we're done pursuing what everyone in the world calls normal, we can just swim upstream and live differently and not be consumed by what they think of us. And that is a great beginning to being able to just share the gospel without fear of what people think of us, what people think of our family because we do or don't do certain things. Now I'm going to use an example briefly that some of you may not like. And just buckle up, okay? You've probably got a different example in your family. But here's an example for me. I hate Halloween. Okay? I said it. I hate Halloween. Halloween, blah. You may love Halloween. You may think it's the most fantastic, you know, holiday next to Easter. But I just don't. I don't like Halloween. Yes, I think it's adorable when little kids dress up year-round. I always think that's cute. So yeah, it's fun to see little kids in costume and things like that. And yes, I know people that I 100% respect that have redeemed or attempted to redeem the holiday of Halloween and they use it to share the gospel and to witness. And that's beautiful and that's great. I have been convicted on my own and my husband has as well to not celebrate Halloween at all. Not to do alternative Halloween, not to try and create a, a party that's on Halloween or to attend a party that's on Halloween that's, you know, not scary or not. And I don't know, maybe I'll don a cloak and like a bowl cut or something and <laughs> go nail some stuff to a wooden door or something. But no, I don't really want to celebrate and I don't want to pretend like it's okay for me to celebrate when I know that it bothers me at some level. I have not made my peace with Halloween, and my husband hasn't either, so we're just not going to do it. Our kids don't understand it. They think it's strange. Our church does something really awesome and fun, but we're just not going. And that's okay. It's not a sin for us to not go, and it's not a sin for my friend to go. And that might be so weird to some of you listening, and that's okay with me. I've gotten to the point where now it doesn't even faze me if someone thinks I'm a weirdo that I don't want to celebrate Halloween and, oh, I'm just not modern enough or whatever. That's fine. I hope that none of you feel like you have to do what I'm doing. But what you do need to take from this idea is that God's good even on Halloween. On Halloween Day, even when people are doing horrible and ter like terrible things, you know, trying to scare little kids and, uh, you know, using it as an excuse for violence and their obsession with death and dressing like a prostitute or whatever it is that's their flavor of how they celebrate Halloween. Regardless of what's done on that night, God is still good. And there's something in me that just wants to spend my time praying that night. And for the last several years, that's what I do. Halloween night is like a little prayer vigil for me. And I just feel like I'm supposed to be praying. So that's what I'm going to do. And so I'll be praying for you if you're out, um, for your kids, for safety, for, you know, God's plan to uh, 
share his power through the gospel. And, you know, if people hand out tracts and things like that, I'm praying for you. If people are sharing the gospel at their alternative events, I'm praying for you. People are doing terrible, horrific things. I'm praying for their salvation and that other people don't get hurt. So everyone's got a different role to play, and that's mine, Halloween night. I really hope that this serves as an, as an example of how we can be unique in the body of Christ, we can be in unity, but we can be doing different things, and at the same time, vastly different than what the world is doing. So if you're going to something that's Halloween-related as a believer, I pray that it's something that is not partnering with any of the evil, or the scary, or the fascination with death and violence. I'm sure you're not, but I'm just saying, like, that's one way we're separate from the world. Maybe your little girl dresses up as a princess, not a witch, you know what I'm saying? So as we step out and we live our lives the rest of this October, let's be different than the world. Let's do our lives differently. Let's focus on different things. Our time is meant to be different. Our attitudes are meant to be different. And we show the world, whether they want to listen or not, that God is good all the time. Thanks for listening. Have a great week and keep swimming upstream.